Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Um, go with me in your Bibles this morning, if you would. And if you don't happen to have a Bible, you can download one on your smartphone, on your iPad, or you can check out the screens right here. But we're going to read two different portions of, of Scripture today out of the book of John uh, once again. And uh, we've been spending some time in John. And so I want you to go to John chapter 3. It's a New Testament book. And uh, this is written by the Apostle John. Once again, not to be confused by John the Baptist. It's written by one of Jesus' disciples, otherwise known by, as apostles. And we learned a little bit about him uh, that first week. Uh, but today I want to talk to you about the power of one. The power of one. And as we begin to talk about the power of one, uh, next week we're going to talk about the power of the risen one. And I really believe God's going to do some incredible things in people's lives. And so I really felt as I was praying this morning, even in our pre-service prayer time, that next week God wants to do miracles in people's lives. And so come ready and come expecting. I, I believe in a God that does the supernatural. Amen. All right, you guys are quiet on me today. Um, I believe in a God who does the supernatural. So if you have something in your life that you need supernaturally touched, come believing next week. Uh, but we've been spending some time here in John. And so, uh, John, here, a couple of interesting facts about the book of John. Uh, if you're a note taker or you like to learn about the Bible, uh, the only times that John actually mention, mentions his own personal name, because he doesn't like to use his personal name, actually, John calls himself the disciple who Jesus loves. Right? Pretty cool. Um, he's the only one of the disciples that calls himself that. So throughout the book of John, you'll see that from time to time, um, talking about himself. I'm the one who Jesus loves. Pretty confident in who he was in Christ. But any time he actually mentions his name, John, he mentions it in connection with Peter. And so it might say, Peter and John did this. And I think it's interesting. I think it's only like five times he actually mentions his own name, John. But every time Peter is mentioned. And if you do a study on the two, uh, the two disciples, Peter and John, what you discover is that John was so confident in, his, in, in God's love for him or Jesus' love for him that he just rested in that. Everything he did came from that framework that Jesus loves me. And so, therefore, there was no legalism. There was no condemnation. There was just this freedom knowing that, hey, Jesus loves me no matter who I am, no matter what I do, no matter how I live. My, Jesus loves me. Peter, on the other hand, in contrast to that, always tried to prove his love for Jesus. And he was always out trying to prove, hey, look how much I love Jesus. Peter was the one that got out of the boat to walk on water to go to Jesus. Why did he do those things? Because he wanted to prove his devotion and his conviction of how much he loved Jesus. And so because of that, Peter lived his life through that filter of always wanting to express to God how much he loved him. Now, let me just say this. There's not anything wrong necessarily with me wanting to show my love and my affection for Jesus. But if you are not confident in Jesus' love for you, you will live a legalistic life. You will live a life that says, I need to go to church more. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to witness more. I need to do this more. I need to join the setup and pack up team. Come on, somebody, right? You will live this legalistic life. Not that joining the setup pack up team is legalistic, but you will live this life always trying to say, God, Jesus, look how much I love you. But, but what I love about John, and it really paints a picture for the whole entire book, is that John was so confident, not in his ability to love Jesus, but come on, in Jesus' ability to love him. And when you are confident in that, you begin to live your life a completely different way. And so it's interesting that every time John mentions his own name, the one whom Jesus loved, he mentions it in contrast with Peter. 
Another thing that John does throughout the whole entire book is he drives home the spiritual emphasis on all the stories. So you might see in all of like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you might see them talk about the feeding of the 5,000, but it's John then that brings home the spiritual part of that, and he says, yeah, it's about the feeding of the 5,000, but Jesus is the bread of life. And he drives home the spiritual emphasis behind why Jesus fed the 5,000 with bread. It's a pretty cool book. And other times you'll see this as Jesus, and through the other um, uh, gospels, you'll see that Jesus opens blind eyes. But it's in that, that context now that John drives home the spiritual emphasis, and he not only says that Jesus opens blind eyes, but he says, but I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And so as you read the book of John, you're going to discover uh, these really powerful analogies that bring home a spiritual point of view. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, uh, because John begins to bring about some characters in the Bible that the other Gospels don't. And as he does this, um, it's pretty interesting. We're going we're to talk about two of them today. One of them is called Nicodemus, and the other one is called Joseph of Arimathea. And as we begin to do this, as we begin to look at this, this is what I want you to know, that there is power in one person's decision. There's power in one person's choice, and that's what we're talking about, the power of one. There's power in the way you live your life. There's power in your testimony. There's power in your actions. Your testimony is so powerful that Revelations 12:11 tells us this. It says, and John wrote Revelations as well. It says this, they overcame This is the churches now. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives in the face of death. Wow. They conquered the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So I want to begin to talk to you about the power of yourself, the power of one, the power of your testimony, the power of your life, the power of your choice, the power of your decisions. So let's read now. John Chapter 3, going to start in verse 1. And it says this. It says, there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Now, who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the Jewish religious leaders of the time. They were strict with the Jewish traditions. They didn't veer from them. They They were so set in their ways that even when Jesus came, they didn't recognize him as the Messiah. Or at least most of them didn't. So there's the Pharisees that are living by the strict Jewish law. And there's one of them, and his name is Nicodemus. But listen to this. He wasn't just one of them. He was a ruler of the Jews. So he's high up there. He's, he's steeped in these traditions. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, which is teacher, we know that you have come from God as teacher. For no one could perform these miracles or these signs you do unless God were with him. And Jesus replied, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But how can anyone be born again when he is old, Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered him, that's silly, Nicodemus. I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, look, you were born of your mom one time. What I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about a spiritual birth. I'm talking about being born again, and that's a spiritual thing. Do not be amazed that I told you you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or, or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can these things be? 
asked Nicodemus. You are, the, you are teacher of Israel, Jesus said, and you don't know these things? I assure you, we speak what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about these, uh, these things happened on earth and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about the things of heaven? No one has ascended into heaven except the one, uh, except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And here he is prophesying about the way he's going to die on the cross. Now listen to this. This is the one that you're going to know. If you haven't known anything up to this point, you know this one. John 3.16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not uh, condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. I love this, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. In this way, he gave his one, his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal Life. There's a little bit about Nicodemus. Now I want you to go and fast forward in the Bible with me to John 19. John 19. And this is going to pick up actually after Jesus is already crucified. Jesus is crucified and now there's two people that go and get the body of Jesus and bury Jesus. And I want to read it. John 19, 38 through 42. And it says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, the other guy we're going to talk about today, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. Highlight that in your mind. He was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of fear of the Jews. Asked Pilate that he might remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he, took, uh, so he came and took the body away. Nicodemus, the guy we just read about, who had previously come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Then they took, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took Jesus' body, wrapped it in linen clothes with an aromic spices according to the burial custom of the Jews. There was a garden in the place that where he was crucified. A new tomb was in the garden. No one had yet been placed in it. They placed Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation and since the tomb was nearby. Here's Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews comes to him at night secretly, not wanting to be caught. Here is Joseph of Arimathea, who as you study out who he was, he too was a part of the Pharisees and one of the rulers of the Pharisees. And these two rulers of the Pharisees come secretly and they discover who Jesus is, secret disciples, and they're the ones that take the body of Jesus and bury it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, I pray in the next few moments that, Lord, you would speak to each and every one of us about the power of our testimony, about the power of how we live our life, about the power of our actions and our decisions, and that we would walk out of here confident, knowing that no matter who we are, that we have the power to see somebody else's life transformed. God, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, a lot of you um, in here uh, would probably not know my upbringing, probably not know a lot about, you know, where I came from in my past, but I actually grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor, my mom was a pastor, and uh, I don't know how it happened, but somehow God blinded me and I, I became a pastor. Come on, somebody, right? I grew up in a pastor's home, and here I am, a pastor, and, and honestly, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else with my life. I love what I do. I love people. I love working with people, and I love the Word of God. 
Um, but as I was growing up in the pastor's home, um, I, was, I was not that guy. Now, when you see me on stage, you might think that I was always like the guy that was loud and boisterous, and, and maybe I was. I'm like, you have to ask my mom. But I was never really the guy to try to take the mic and try to get front and center. But it just wasn't me. Even when me and my wife were in this thing called interns in the city church in Seattle, we were never the ones to promote ourselves and say, hey, give me a mic, give me an opportunity or whatever. We were just kind of those, those ones that just stayed quiet, stayed serving Jesus, and, and when opportunity arose and it came to us, we seized the opportunity. Because the Bible does say that your gift will make room for itself, right? You don't have to strive to make room for your gifts. It just happens. God will take care of it. And so as I grew up in a Christian home, I just loved Jesus. It was what, it was what we did. It's what I learned to do. I loved going to church, and I loved going to Sunday school. And as I got older, I loved going to youth ministry. And, and as I got older, the college ministry. And, and here I am today as a pastor. But as I, I walked this path, as I walked this journey, I would watch a lot of my other friends who were very vocal about their faith, who were very much out there. You know, have you ever seen the guy standing on the street with a sign? Okay, that was not me, okay, that was my wife, I don't know, but that, that was not me, all right? Um, I didn't do that. I, I, you know, I hear about some of my friends standing up, you know, in their lunchroom um, in high school. And, man, you know, and they, they, that's their claim to fame. They stood up in their lunchroom and, and they preached the gospel and whatnot. And that was never me. And I would watch these guys and I would see this. And sometimes I would walk away knowing what I believed about Jesus, knowing that Jesus loved me, knowing that, that I was serving him and I was a Christian. But I would walk away from some of those moments when I saw some of my friends being a little louder, being a little more boisterous. Anybody have friends like that? Okay. No, none of you? You're, you're like, yeah, pastor, you're on stage, right? Yeah, whatever. And, uh, and I'd see them and I would walk away sometimes feeling less than, feeling like, was I really doing my part? Was I really, am I really serving Jesus with everything I have? Has anybody ever felt that way before? Or am I the only one? Am I the only honest one in the room? I felt like, should I, should I be doing more? I mean, look at them. They're, they're, handing out, they're handing out stuff on a Friday night to invite people to church. I, I don't do that. I mean, look at them. They're, they're sharing, they, 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 they like witness to one person a day. It's like their conviction. I don't do that. And all of a sudden now you can begin to feel a little bit, a little bit less then. And I've been there and I felt that way. And as we begin to talk about this idea of the power of your testimony and the power of one and the power of how you live your life, some of us could immediately begin to go to that thinking. We could begin to immediately go to that idea and say, well, now I don't know this message is for me because I'm not really evangelistic or I'm not, I'm not really one that you know, likes to get out there and share my faith. And so you might be sitting there already saying, Pastor Ben, how does this, how does this relate to me? How does this apply to me? You might have the same questions I do because oftentimes it seems like it's the loudest one in the room, Right? That would, that would be the one doing that. But I love what John does here. I love what John does just three chapters in to the book. John could write about anyone, anything, but he is so convicted as he writes by the Holy Spirit to write about this story about a guy named Nicodemus. And look at what Nicodemus does. Nicodemus comes at night. Why did he come at night? Well, the Bible tells us he's one of the rulers of the Pharisees. He's one of the guys that is actually on the, on, the, on the team that says, that's not the Messiah. He's on the other side, and everyone on his side is saying, man, we can't follow that dude. We can't follow Jesus. We can't. But inside, internally, he finds himself longing to follow Jesus, and the Bible even shows us that he secretly is a disciple. He's secretly following Jesus. And the reason he comes at night in John chapter 3, the reason he does that is because he's scared. Anybody ever been there before? Scared to share your face, scared to let somebody know that you're, okay? He's actually scared. 
But it's in this context, I want, you, I want you to learn these things with me today. Let me just share with you a few things. It's in this context now that we see the heart of Jesus for not the loud and the boisterous ones, but the heart of Jesus for anybody who calls upon his name. So let me just share these few things with you. First of all, it's this. What do we learn from these guys? Number one, my actions, big or small, have an eternal impact. My actions, big or small, have an eternal impact. It is in this conversation, this secret conversation, if you will, where now there's probably a couple disciples there. That's how John was privy to it, and he wrote about it. So Jesus at night, hanging out with a couple of his disciples, Nicodemus, one of the rulers, comes at night by himself because he has some questions. And it's in this context, it is right here in this moment that we get the number one verse that whether you're a believer or not, that is known all around the world, John 3, 16. So I, asked, I asked a couple of my, my friends that have been serving Jesus for a while, and I even asked my wife, and I had to ask myself, I said, what's the context of John 3, 16? And people are like, well, was, wasn't Jesus preaching to a crowd? What well, was Jesus standing on a platform? And this has got to be one of those big moments, Right? And see, we so quickly forget that John 3.16 is in the context of one man who's secretly a disciple coming to Jesus at night, fearful for his own life. And it's in that moment that the greatest verse known to humanity is discovered. Are you with me? See, a lot of us think we need to live, well, I just got to be more radical with my faith. I just got to be more bold. I got I to share Jesus with somebody this week. I just got to do this. Or I got to do that. And we think it's the loudest one in the room that gets noticed. Let's be honest. It's the loudest one in the room that's annoying. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? If we're, if we're going to be honest, like, dude, shut up. Right? Nicodemus was not the loudest guy. He was fearful for his life, and he came. But it's in that moment we discover that our actions, big or small, have eternal impacts. And it was that small action of waiting until his friends wouldn't see him that he snuck out of his house, probably watching his back the whole entire way, I'm going to Jesus. And it's in that moment where he's sitting before Jesus. Now look how much Jesus loves Nicodemus. He invites Nicodemus into the full process, and it's in that moment. Come on, you gotta know Jesus, fully God, incarnate in the flesh, walking the earth. You gotta know that Jesus knew that that verse was gonna be heard around the world. It's in that moment he says, I'm gonna share something with you, Nicodemus. He shares this incredible verse. Aren't you glad that Nick went, Right? Aren't you glad he went? And I just want you to know something that, that you can look and you can say, well, man, Pastor Ben, you know, you, you're on stage. You got a mic, man. You study the word. You, you, must, you must, man, you must really win and lead a lot of people to Jesus Christ. No, I don't. You don't? You're a pastor. I know. I'm, 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 I'm here to love you. And sometimes I do that okay, right? I'm here to share the word of God to you. I'm here to, 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 to instruct, okay? But no, I'm not, I'm not out witnessing every day. I did last night with the Dream Center downtown on the streets. Had a great time. Met a beautiful woman named Crystal. Me and my wife did. Had a chance to pray for her. It was awesome. But no, no, that's not me. If I'm to be honest with you, I kind of lived my life like Nicodemus. <laughs> really. I mean, in high school, I remember one of the most, well, I don't know if it hurt, but it hurt at the moment. I remember my senior year. And I just lived my life, man. I shared my faith when it, uh, chances came, but I just lived a, a Christian life. I remember my senior year, I had this, 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 this little, nice, little, sweet little girl come up to me and goes, I didn't know this whole entire time you were a Christian. I'm like, oh, man. 
right? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe that story shouldn't have been shared. I don't know. But honestly, I mean, the way I live my life, and I, I would hang out with all my friends. I still do. I still hang out with people. Love hanging out with people. But this was me when I was in high school. I didn't, you know, my friends were talking about the parties. I thought it was because they didn't, they didn't talk about the parties in front of me because I was a Christian. Found out later they didn't talk about the parties in front of me because my brother was a police officer. True story. I had to ask him one time. I was like, hey, you guys are always talking about, but I come up, you guys get all quiet. Why is that? Is it, you know, and they're like, Ben, it's because your brother's a cop. We don't want you, you know, to tell him where the parties are at. It's true. I was like, oh, I thought this whole entire time because I was, I was such a good Christian person, you know? And so seriously, so I was like, well, I want to come hang out with you guys. And they're like, you do? And I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to do stupid stuff like you, but I mean, I want to I come hang out with you. I'll never forget, I showed up to my first party in high school. Pastor Ben, you went to a party? Yes, all right. I've asked for forgiveness, all right? And I showed up, kid you not, I showed up to that party with a 24-pack of Mountain Dew. Come on, somebody. True story. True story. I showed up. It was a party. We lived on an island. It was a party on the beach. And I walked in. I had my 24-pack of Mountain Dew. And, and, man, these guys were, you know, an hour into all drunk. And pretty soon, though, they're begging me for a Mountain Dew. Come on, somebody. I was like, yeah, that will be five bucks for a can. Thank you very much. Right? But I didn't, I didn't abstain from hanging out. No, why? I just went. But I just lived. Now, I'll never forget, though. There was that, you know, that one, you know, cute little girl that was like, I didn't know you were a Christian. And I was like, I didn't even know you existed. No, anyway. Um. I'm kidding. Come on, lighten up, people. Lighten up. And I remember, though, so many of my friends came to me when we were graduating and looked at me and they said, Ben, we just want you to know something. That because of the way you lived your life, I made some different decisions. Because of the way you lived your life. Matter of fact, it wasn't that long ago that one of my high school, uh, she was a year older than me. She reached out to me about a year ago and she Facebooked me. And she Facebooked and she said, hey, I, I, need, I, I need some answers to some questions. This is what I'm walking through, and I know I can trust you to get a right answer. And what did I do? I pointed her right to Jesus Christ. Pointed her right to Jesus Christ. Preached the gospel through Facebook. How would she know years later? Because of the way I live my life. I want you to know something today, that you can live your life just serving Jesus Christ. I go to church. I read my Bible when I get a chance, and I pray when I get the opportunity. Let me tell you something. Your life is making an impact on somebody else. Are you with me? Secondly, I want you to see this here, that I, something I learned is my volume, number two, my volume does not equal my impact. My volume does not equal my impact. Doesn't equal my impact. Doesn't equal, I, man, growing up in church all my life, I learned that, but then there was times when, whether it was I went through the, you know, college and learned uh, more, and, and then I would work for certain churches, that you can walk away sometimes thinking that, you know what, is my life having an impact? Do I, do I need to be more radical? Do I need to be more vocal? Do I need to be more? And you can, here's, here's the reality of it. No, Jesus would say this. No, you don't need to be more of those things. You just need to be more you. Who I created you to be. Who I created you to be. Now, even though I'm not, even though I'm not necessarily this outgoing on the street, like, you know, leading people to Jesus, is Margo in here or is she teaching? There she is right there. That girl right there, she is like a magnet. She's like, whew, people flock to her. I don't have that anointing. People run from me, right? <laughs> See, though, she's like, whew. like even out on the streets last night, here she is, you know, nine months pregnant, out there praying for people, witnessing. There's just every, I, knew, I knew how to find Margot. I would just look and see where the crowd was at. Margot's over there, right? That's not me. 
But you know what? I do have to be me. And even though I'm not that way when it comes to sharing my faith, I am a fun person. I am a fun person. I am a fun person. Okay. Just, just checking. Just checking. Insecure one too, but I'm fun, all right? Like, I'll work with me people, right? Um, and so I like to have fun. And, and you know, when I, when I pray, you know, because I, I don't know my wife thinks I have ADD, but when I pray, I, don't, I can't sit still. I'm just pacing. I'm just being me. I remember one time I was working at one church, and I was just, I was just pacing, and I was just praying, and, and just believing God for something. And finally, the pastor of the church looked at me and said, Ben, hey, can you just sit down? I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we're, we're, we just want to do, like, reflection prayer right now, not warfare prayer. And I'm like, this ain't warfare prayer. You, you don't want to see me in warfare prayer. You thought this was warfare prayer? No, 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 this is just me. This is how I pray. Right? He was like, do you need some medication? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just like to... I just got to be me, okay? Listen, you just being you and going after Jesus Christ the way you know how. I mean, you walked in today and some of you are like, wow, this church, like who's the big tall guy raising his hand? Oh, that's the pastor, right? That's just the way I worship Jesus. And if you don't worship Jesus that way, that's okay, you know? And if you don't pray pacing back and forth, you like to pray sitting down, pray sitting down. Okay? Here's one thing I've realized is that I have to be careful sometimes what I say up here and what I do up here because then people will be like, well, if that's the way pastor do it, that's probably why I should do it too. Right? No, you don't have to do that. You just be you. And what I learned from this passage when I look at this, when I look at, when I look at Nicodemus and I look at Joseph Arimathea who came, the Bible said, secretly, I learned something. They were just doing what they knew to do. They were just living their life the way they knew how to live, sometimes a little shy, sometimes a little scared but yet their life had an amazing impact. Are you with me? Hmm. I think, I think of a woman named Mother Teresa. Anybody ever heard of her? Yeah. She made so much impact. I want to read this. She said, we need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is a friend of silence. So how nature, trees, flowers, grass grows in silence See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. Wow. Talk about a woman who knew how to touch some people. Here she was, just living her life. Hope you're feeling encouraged today. I want you to know something. You don't have to be loud to make an impact. You can just love Jesus to make an impact. You with me? Lastly, uh, something I learned by watching these guys is my inward devotion will eventually lead to an outward revolution. My inward devotion will eventually lead to an outward revolution. Pastor, what do you mean by that? That sounds really dramatic. No, doesn't it? What do you mean by my inward devotion? Once again, let me draw attention to these two people that John does, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Both of them, Disciples of Jesus, though the Bible says secretly. They would sneak out at night. They would find a way to follow Jesus, serve Jesus, discover who Jesus was, find out more about his teachings, and did it in such a way that they weren't loud, they weren't outgoing, they weren't boisterous. It was this inward devotion. But in John chapter 19, now we see that Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea, two secret disciples, have now somehow made a connection. Now watch this. John 19, while all the other outward devoted people, 
all of the disciples that were following Jesus for three and a half years outwardly, publicly, that saw all the miracles that Jesus did that were in on the breaking of bread and the feeding of 5,000 and the picking up of the baskets and, and all of this stuff that they saw with their own eyes and they saw the power of Jesus Christ. All of those disciples in John chapter 19 are nowhere to be found. They are running for their life. They are fearful because Jesus has now been crucified. Are they next? I don't know about you, but I'd be running too. But it's at that moment where all of the outward disciples now become secret disciples, so much so that, that Peter's even confronted three times. Aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? No. Are you sure? I think we saw it. No, I'm not. And on the third time, he gets so angry and so mad that he denies Jesus Christ. I do not know him. And while all the outward disciples, all of the public ones, all of the loud ones, all of the boisterous ones, Peter, the guy that walked on water, Peter, the guy that cut off the ear of the dude, are you with me? Is now running for his life, and it is two secret disciples, two people that inwardly followed Jesus Christ, two people that secretly devoted their life to following him, go public with their faith, and they come and they ask for the body of Jesus Christ. And they're the ones that anoint his body for burial. They're the ones that take him to the tomb and bury Jesus. And their inward devotion created a public revolution. Their inward devotion, those that followed him secretly. I want you to know something today. And I want you to hear this from your pastor. Your life is making an impact somewhere on somebody. Your life is making an impact somewhere on somebody. You might be sitting there thinking, I'm not good enough. I don't know if I, I, I haven't shared my faith enough. But I want you, I want to break the lie of the enemy off your life. Because here's the thing I've discovered, is that too often times, that we that have been serving Jesus for a long time, and we look back at some of the other people and wonder, what's wrong with them? Can't they get in line? What are they doing now that we need to stop for a moment and realize they're still in the same line you and I are in? We need to realize as we look back that they're still following the same Jesus that you and I are following. And you don't know the impact that their inward devotion is having. Are you with me this morning? I want you to know something. Your testimony is powerful. Your testimony is your life is powerful the decisions you make are powerful. The way you live your life is powerful. Just, just keep going with Jesus the way you know how. Keep serving him the way you know how to serve him. Keep coming to church when you come to church. If you get a moment to open up your Bible, then open up your Bible and read it. But listen to me. Do not listen to the lie of the enemy that says you need to do more to make an impact at your job place. Do not listen to the lie of the enemy that says you need to do more to make an impact in your neighborhood. You are making an impact as you just continue to follow Jesus like Nicodemus did. You're continuing to make an impact as you follow Jesus like Joseph of Arimathea did. You're continuing to make an impact. And one day, much like my testimony, I still remember the day I moved and left Seattle to start starting full-time ministry. And I remember, no longer was I in high school. I graduated from, from the university and I was working at a valet. And, uh, and God put me in this position at the valet where I was actually running the whole entire valet company. And, and I did it with integrity, and I did it serving Jesus Christ. But rarely did I just publicly share my faith with these other valets because of my position. 
But I always seized the opportunity when someone came to me and asked a question. I never gave my opinion. I gave the word of God. And it was at the time when I was leaving to start in full-time ministry in 1999, when I left Seattle and I moved to San Diego for the first time. Thank you, Jesus. And I moved, and I'll never forget my last night as a valet. Every single one of those valets came up and said, Ben, I just want to say thank you. And I said, for what? Because of the impact you've had on my life. I said, what did I do? They said, it's, it, it's just the way you lived your life. It's the way you treated us with respect. It's the way you honored us. It's the way you handled the business affairs of the valet. It's those moments when I said I was going through this, and you said, hey, I'll pray for you. All of those things have made a great impact on me, and because of you, I'm living my life differently. And because of you, you've actually opened up the door for me to think that maybe Jesus really does exist. Do not listen to the lie of the enemy. Do not listen to the lie of those things that would come and say your testimony is not powerful. For the Bible declares that you will overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Live your life. Your life is a testimony. Live your life. It is a devotion to Jesus Christ. And as you do, I'm telling you right now, you will look back one day and you will see natural sons and daughters and you'll see spiritual sons and daughters serving Jesus Christ because of the way you lived your life. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.